How did a kid from New York change the fortunes of Southern Illinois restaurants in the 618 food scene? That is what I dove into with my guest on Meet the 618. I chatted with William Lowe, co-founder of Southern Illinois Eats, a Facebook page whose mission it is to bring people to all sorts of locally owned restaurants around the 618. I also had the pleasure of talking to him about his background, his restaurant that he operates, Nukahala in Carbondale, and I even had a surprise guest, his wife Keisha, who was born in Southern Illinois. This once again is Meet the 618. Welcome into episode two of Meet the 618, and I am sitting alongside William Lowe, the co-founder of Southern Illinois Eats and the restaurant owner of Nukahala. And William, what has been your inspiration of creating Southern Illinois Eats? Um, so it was, I think it was the closing of the Newell House. And at that point, I realized that, you know, all these chain restaurants, and I have nothing against chain restaurants, but they have multi-million dollar, you know, marketing firms and people that, you know, make sure they're successful, while us local entrepreneurs, you know, we're just kind of winging it. So when they closed, me and my wife was like, we got to do something. There's something that we can, we can do to help promote these local restaurants. And uh, we're like, hey, let's make a Facebook group, just kind of see how it goes. And then we started off, I think, inviting like 20 of our closest friends to join this group. And now we're, I think we're about 35,000 members, I think. That is an incredible number. Uh, let's not leave your wife out. What is your wife's name, the co-founder of Southern Illinois Eats? Uh, my wife's name is Keisha Lowe. And then uh, she, she is my, I don't want to say sidekick, but... You know, we, we, we discuss things, every every decision, every hurdle on the page, you know, we discuss and we, you know, we try to come up with a good, you know, solution or whatever problems come through. She is, um, I guess I'm the knee-jerk reaction guy and my wife is the, the sensible, calm response, you know, lady. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what have been some of those hurdles of uh, this Facebook group? Um, I think COVID has been a huge hurdle. Um, you know, we we try to support local restaurants and at the same time be mindful that COVID, you know, is a serious thing that has the potential of, you know, killing our, our clients, you know, our, our, our guests. So we, as a, we you know, we, we were very early on you know, we had made a list of all the restaurants uh, that, you know, that were still open and what services they offered because we were, you know, forced to do curbside for a while. And that was a point of contention for people because, you know, you had one camp where they didn't agree with the fact that restaurants had to go curbside. And we were put in a tough position where, you know, the list we made, you know, should we include the restaurants that are staying open against, you know, the state mandate or should we not, you know, so we, we eventually came up with a, you know, a middle ground where we would put the business name on there, but not write down what services they offered. That's, I think that's a good middle ground to support them, but at the same time, not, you know, not anger anybody, but that, you know, that didn't work out like a plan. Uh, so that was one of our biggest hurdles. You know, we got tons of hateful emails and hateful messages on the page 
about how, you know, we were supporting one but not the other. And um, we had that. And we had just, you know, other, like, divisive subjects where I felt was, you know, it was important for the community to, to be aware of it. But people, they were, they were more passionate about it than I was. So we had to really, like, you know, put water on that fire. Because ultimately the page is a long-term it's a long-term fix for the industry. And I, I feel like sometimes if you, if you focus on the short-term things, you kind of lose sight of that, hey, this page needs to survive, whatever gets thrown at it. And then, um, you know, it's a, it's a long-term thing. And there's many restaurants that are, you know, depending on it. So we have to have a long-term approach and a long-term look and not get caught up in the minor daily road you know feed bumps i guess you could say when you first started the page did you know how big this would get no <laughs> it was uh yeah i think the page has been up for almost two years now i think we're a few months shy of two years i think july yeah july, yeah, july would be two years and i didn't i didn't know what to expect i didn't you know i figured it'd be Maybe, you know, six yeah, six, seven hundred members and, you know, just us posting food. I did not, you know, realize it was going to be this huge where I think there's hundreds of posts daily. And, you know, if you're part of the group, then your news feed is now just food. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love the notifications, though. I'm like, I need to try that. I need yeah, to try this. Yeah. Um, but what have been some of the success stories in on the page? Whether you've heard from restaurant owners or um, customers of these restaurants? Uh, I, I I've been to several restaurants. I won't name names because you know, they, I don't want to really want to put their name out there. But I had a, I had a gentleman, you know, as I was eating at his restaurant, he came to me. He's like, I've made more money because of you than I think he said the last like five years, just because people have seen it and gone to eat at his restaurants. Uh, there are some restaurants where um, they won't let me pay. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and normally what we do is we'd like leave cash and tip and we'd run, you know, mm-hmm. just because we don't, you know, that's not why we do it. We do it to, to support local restaurants. And um, so, yeah, that to me means that, yes, there is a, there's a big impact. Um, I think especially new restaurants like Saul's in Carbonell, mm-hmm. it's next to Chango's. Uh, they've gotten tons of love from the group. Just, you know, they're offering sandwiches and they're new. So I think it kind of takes away some of the the fear and anxiety from a, a new business owner because part of the deal is, you know, like, I don't know if people are going to find out about my food. You know, so now we've created an outlet where people can share the food and that we've kind of increased their exposure and that's one less thing they need to worry about. Now, you own a restaurant. My parents do technically. Okay, okay. How have you dealt with the competition aspect of growing some other restaurants in the area versus um, your own restaurant? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't ever see other restaurants as competition. Um, you know, you can't eat Nukahala every day, and I, I don't want you to eat Nukahala every day. I want you. I don't know. It's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. And, and I actually, it's one thing I tell my staff, it's like, 
you know, if a guy comes in twice a week, then I love him or her for it. That's great. But if they come like four days a week, then I get a little worried because you're going to get burnt out. Mm-hmm. So I want you to try other places. And the old, uh, the old saying, rising tide, I think, uh, you know, raises all ships. I'm a firm believer in that. I think, and, and that's, that's, a big, that's, a, that's a tough thing. You know, restaurants, they see each other as competition. But we're not, you know, we, we're all part of the pie and we're all, we're all part of the pie and, you know, customs can't eat the same thing every day. So by promoting each other, you know, kind of out to cover, for example, we've got some great restaurants. We've got the underground, we've got keepers, we've got global, we got flame, we got, you know, new Kahala, El Pasano. And the more restaurants we get, the more people that will attract the carbon. Now, I, I, Maybe toot my toot my own horn from the town that I'm in, I'm from, but I think Carbonell's got the best local food scene. You know, we've got the most best local restaurants in one one town, and I think you know the more we get, the more you know, then people will come. And hey, you know, I know if I got to come to Car- come to Carbonell, I've got my selection of all these different restaurants, you know, and that becomes that's a good thing. There's no bad thing from having competition and. You know, competition, you know, it makes you better. You know, it makes you make you more mindful of the food you put out, you know, the quality and, you know, the price, you know. So competition is a great thing. You know, you have to have it. You know, like Walmart, there's no competition for that. Right. You know, and look what it's done. You know, it's all these mama pop, you know, little grocery stores have gone. I think Dollar General is the new Walmart. They're just kind of stopping all the, all the little guys, you know. So, you know, we, some of those small guys need a little help, you know, like IGA and whatnot. So, that's important that we, we support that. How has Carbondale developed such a creative food scene or a unique food scene? I think, I, you know, I, I really couldn't put my finger on a specific reason. But I want to say it speaks of SIU, you know. You know we want kids that come here. and I think Carbondale has always had a good food scene, even when I was a child. You know, and I think people just stay here. They see that we have a lot of local farmers and, you know, we have a lot of local meats and veggies that, you know, they can utilize. And that's kind of grown into, you know, having, you know, good good restaurants, good locally owned restaurants to eat at. Now, let's talk about William Lowe, the restaurateur. Um, what has been your history with your family's history mm-hmm. with Nukahala? Um, So we moved here in 92. Uh, my uncle, back in the day, he owned, like, Yanjing and Kew Garden. Yanjing is now Chin Guan, but uh, he used to own Yanjing, uh, Kew Gardens, um, Kahala Gardens, and Murdale, and then where Happy Reunion was, and, you know, New Kahala. So my dad worked for him for, you know, several years, and we bought, you know, New Kahala from him, I think, in 92, and then... Um, yeah, so we've just, you know, we've been on the strip till about like six years ago. Then we'll move on the strip, you know, to a newer location and whatnot. And it was, it's been a good move. It's been an adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, you know, we started off, uh, you know, with just a few, you know, staff members. Now we've got, I think, like 15. It's amazing. You know? Yeah, so it, it it's been, a, it's been a long, and uh, next year will be our third year anniversary, so. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. 
Where was your family at before 1992? Uh, so, mom and dad are from Taiwan. Actually, dad is from China originally. He fled to Taiwan during the Civil War. And then, um, I want to say in the early 80s, they moved here. They moved to New York City um, on a work visa just to kind of see, you know, what opportunities were in New York. So, uh, well, they're both, you know, Asian restaurants have always been plentiful in any place you go to. Uh, so, you know, dad worked in the kitchen, washing dishes, and mom worked as a waitress. And then um, they, they worked there for several years and then went to Michigan for a little bit to open a, a restaurant with their family, which didn't turn out very well. <laughs> uh, and then... They moved back to New York, and uh, I think we were living in Flushing, Queens, um, and crime was getting a little bad, and they wanted some place to kind of raise their kids. I think I was maybe like seven or eight. My brother was in his early teens. They wanted somewhere to kind of raise their kid without, you know, worrying about gangs and whatnot. Um, so, you know, my uncle was already here, and he's owned many restaurants, so they're like, let's just move there. Do you remember much from New York? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do remember quite a bit from New York. What was, um, what's really stuck out to you about New York? Oh, just the, just the, you know, food and the people. Mm-hmm. Um, New York is what it is, you know, especially Flushing. It's, it's dirty, it's loud, people are rude. But that's, 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 that's New York. That's, yeah. you know, that's, you know, New York, any of the boroughs, um, especially Manhattan. People are just mean and rude and... But that's 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 what you're known for, you know. Um, and there's tons of places to eat, and you know, you know, we, you know, we would, mama cook at home, or we'd go out and eat, and so it was a treat because we weren't, you know, we were pretty poor then, and rents high, and you know, and then uh, but the Asian food is always, you know, kind of on the cheaper side, so it was always, you know, and there's, you know, there's always like fresh fish, and it's it's like. Seeing all those travel shows, and where you see like all these open markets and whatnot, but not quite. You know, you're st- you're not you don't have to travel overseas. Um, <clears throat> there have food festivals. There's I think three or four grocery stores, a huge in Flushing where you can go in and it's just, you know, rows and rows of fresh fish that they've caught and they've you know trucked in fresh you know fruits and veggies, um, and that's just something you know that. You know, I grew up with and I, I loved so so did your parents cook uh, the way they did in the restaurant in your home or no. did they uh, cook uh, a, a variance of dishes uh, so dad is more of you know the commercial cook but the cooking at home is usually on my mom okay so mom did all the cooking at home and the food you know it's it's nothing like what you know you would serve at a restaurant but it's all like delicious and it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's good home cooking. So <coughs> what have you learned from your parents as you, uh, continue on Nupala? Um, hard work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember, you know, just, you know, we work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week and, you know, me and my brother and my dad. So that's, that's taught me, you know, the value of hard work and if you can do something, do it well. Don't you know? Don't don't do any half measures. Just you know, commit and go all the way. 
and then uh, you know treat everybody good you know um, uh, I, I took a little break and I went to work at Sears for a bit and it's interesting people are like oh like can you work you know like another shift I'm like yeah sure whatever you know and I was working maybe like 25 shifts and they're like oh like do you you know is this too much I'm like no, like, I'm used to working 60 hours. Bring it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, how would you say Southern Illinois has inspired you? Um, man, I mean, I've been here so long. It, I mean, it's pretty much home. I mean, if anybody asks, I still say I'm from New York. But, you know, I think mm-hmm. deep down, I know I'm, I'm, you know, I've become a country bumpkin. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like all of us, you know, and people here are just, you know, they're nice, they're friendly, you know, especially comparing it to, you know, to New York, you know, <clears throat> here, you know, I could have a conversation with a random stranger, you know, um, and, you know, there's, there's so much that this community, you know, offers, you know, as far as all the farmers markets, um, all the, you know, scenery and people are just friendly and just being, you know, it's a good place to, can I raise a family? If that that sounded really old, uh, <laughs> hey, that, that's okay. That's okay. It is a great place. To yeah, you know, um, you know, it, it it has its you know ups and downs, but I still love the community, and you know, I think I think friendliness is the biggest thing. Um, it's hard to find a place where you know you're 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 just welcomed, you know, um, and that people are easygoing, easy to talk to. Um, I've met tons of people through the East page and everybody's just like, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. You know, uh, when I, when I had COVID people reaching out to me like, Oh, like if you need anything, let me know, you know, I'll bring in these people that I hardly knew, you know, I, I knew them through Facebook, through the East page and that was it. But that just tells you, you know, you know, that we, we have a close knit community down here and I don't think I trade it for anything else. Who are your inspirations in cooking? In cooking? Yeah. Oh, I mean, we watch a lot of cooking shows. Um, I think it's a mishmash. I think, you know, lately it's been Thomas Keller. Okay. Um, you know, and I think he's one of those. And there's a lot of chefs that, you know, I kind of look up to. But Thomas Keller especially because he's not one of those where he's screaming, yelling. And, you know, he's, you know, I've read, you know, I've read his books. I've read books from his uh, from his chefs. And then he's just kind of the calm, quiet guy who, who cooks really well. He'll teach you whatever you need to do. And he has a you know, very successful restaurant in, uh, in California. But, you know, we do a lot of cook- We watch a lot of cooking shows. So we draw a lot of inspiration from shows like Chopped or Top Chef. Um, I think we have like a Top Chef restaurant in Paducah. Yes. Yeah. The Freight House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Well, we went. We went and ate there. We met. We met. We met uh, Sarah Bradley. She's super cool. But I nerded out so hard. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we walked in. We're like, oh my god, that's Sarah Bradley, you know. And then uh, we, you know, we we chatted with her about it, and she said she liked my hair. <laughs> <laughs> that was William's wife. Sarah Bradley liked her hair. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, yeah, she, you know, she, I think she spent half an hour chatting with us about her experience on Top Chef. We took some pictures with her. It's just super nice. And the food was just phenomenal. 
Yeah, I actually went there with my girlfriend's mom mm-hmm. uh, before I watched her season. Then I watched the ah. season. So I had like the reverse geek out where yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's the table I sat yeah. at. <laughs> so yeah, it's a wonderful place. My goodness. Yeah. Um, but how has being a chef like affected going to restaurants? Do you look at it more of a critical eye or do you try to shut that off and just try to enjoy the process of what you think the uh, chef is going after? That's a tough question. Um, I think for me, I I break it down into two parts. Uh, we break it down into food, food theory, food concept, and execution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm starting to snot, start a little, sound a little food snobbish here. But you know, like if you get a dish, you know, sometimes you can tell when just the concept wasn't there or it's, or it's missing it's missing certain elements it's missing some acidity or it's missing some sweetness or the vegetables were just kind of like you know put on there without really tasting and see if it goes together and then there are some places where you go and you know they may have forgotten to season your food and then you know that, that happens you know mm-hmm. I think as a as a foodie and as a you know a restaurant operator you know you kind of I think I'm a little forgiving, you know, I don't like sending food back, even if I get the wrong thing, you know, I'll let you know that, hey, I didn't order this, but I'll eat it, don't worry about it, you know, just because I think it's important for people to to grow, you know, like, if they, oh, like I messed up, but that, you know, that makes you a little more careful next time when you're taking somebody's order to not mess it up, because your next person may not be as friendly, they may throw a fit, they might want their ticket comped, and that's as a as a manager. That's like your worst nightmare when yeah. you know you make a little mistake and they want they don't want to pay for anything. You know, or they're out there making a fit or they're belittling the staff, and that's that's not what I do. That's that's not what anybody should do. You know, I think we eat three times a day. Food is should be the on the bottom of things you get pissed over. You know, like if I scratch your car, run over your dog, you know, then you should be outraged. But if if I put asparagus instead of broccoli on your steak, that's pretty small fry, man. Or if your steak is a little overdone, it's not good, but it's not worth getting upset, raising your voice, belittling the staff. You know, I've seen, I've seen it all. You know, I, I, I've had food thrown at me. I've been cussed at, you know, and it's just, it's not, you know, life is too short, man. Life is too short. You eat three, four times a day. No, that's not... Not the appropriate response. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. You're a normal human. That should yeah. not be response one. I'm going to throw food at another human being. Like, yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, so I definitely do see, you know, if it's, you know, if, if it's a concept thing or if it's, you know, definitely an execution issue, you know, I, I, I don't like complaining. You know, if it's sometimes I might mention a little, you know, if, if it's bad enough. You know, I'll, I'll mention it. If it's conceptual, I'll never mention it. Just because, you know, the line cook back there or the waitress, you know, they don't have any say in, in the conceptual. If it's an execution, right. I'll be like, hey, just so you know, the steak was a little, you know, a little burnt or, or, you know, whatever. So I don't think you can get steak too raw, you know. <laughs> yes. But you can get steak too burnt, you know, too well done. So, but yeah, I think, you know, we, we try to be... As snobbish as we are, you know, we try to, you know, understand that, you know, things happen, so. Now, on Southern Illinois Eats, when 
you have to moderate some posts. How do you deal with constructive criticism versus just outright meanness on the page? That that's what that's been that's been tough, and you know we still we still kind of struggle with it. Um, so when there is a complaint of any sort, I screenshot it, and I always if I have a relationship with the owner or the manager, I usually you know screenshot it and then forward it to them that way they can be aware of it because you know regardless of whether it's you know, legitimate or not, they need to know that way they can address it. You know, they can reach out. And I think most people that I, you know, reported to, they've reached out and, you know, I always reach out to the the original poster. I say, Hey, just so you know, I forward your complaint to the business, you know, owner and they're gonna reach out to you and hopefully they they'll come up to some, you know, with some, you know, um, something that makes both parties, you know, happy. Um, so on the page, you know, if you there's a big difference in between saying the food is terrible, I'm not going back, or hey, you know my you know my fish was unseasoned and it was very bland, you know, and we prefer that if you're gonna complain, you know, be you know, uh, you know, put some criticism, put some thought to it, you know, just you know, and be, don't be mean spirited, you know, just like hey, I didn't really like it because. You know A, B, and C, and that's fine. You know mm-hmm. we we leave those comments up all the time, but if you're just like, oh, the food is terrible, service is terrible, and we're going back, we take those down because you've brought you've brought nothing to the conversation. Like why was it terrible? Why was you know what why 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 was the food not good? Where you'll never go back? You know I think you're just being a little overly dramatic. You know, but let us know. You know because you can't just make a blanket statement, especially that's harmful to the business. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if, if uh, an employer or an owner sees a comment that, you know, that, you know, the fish or whatever was under season, they can learn from that and they can kind of address it. But if you're like, oh, the food is terrible, then that's done nothing. You know, no one's learned anything. It's not a learning experience and it's just not a good look, I think. So, with Nukahala and the Yelp thing and different reviews, how have you looked at reviews for your restaurant like what uh what is your thought process when reading those things <clears throat> uh so uh I, I do mainly google uh and TripAdvisor. um i usually respond to all those yelp i'm just not a fan of the company mm-hmm. so i don't i don't i don't I, I think sometimes i'll jump on and i'll respond to a few comments um but for me and this is a good practice, I think, for any business operators. You know, if 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 it's you know a good rating, you know, I always respond and say, hey, you know, thanks for leaving us the review. If there's anything else we can do to better ourselves, you know, let me know. Um, if I get a five star, that's what I put. If I get a four or three, you know, then I'll say, hey, you know, I noticed that you know you gave us three stars. What can we do? I always leave my email, um, sometimes my cell number, just on there. Hey, like, please reach out to me. Um, and you know we get negative reviews you know it happens we have off days and I always you know leaving my email and my phone number I say hey you know reach out to me like I'd like to know what happened and you know see if I can make it right I've never gotten a response ever but <laughs> but but you know and, and you know I try because I care you know um, but I think that's any business I think that's the proper you know I, I've very rarely do I argue with people on there just because it's it's not a really good look, you know, and 
as I got grown as I grown older, I think I've realized more of like how to be a little more just you know how to not get the emotion get in your way of of you know responding to online criticism and whatnot. When you say emotion, whenever you were like angry at a review, what what's uh, what what do you do to like control yourself? Oh, I, I walk away. I walk. <laughs> I, 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 I walk away, and then I'll I'll come back the next day, and then you know, because obviously it wasn't that big of a deal for them because they didn't mm-hmm. call the store, so I'll I'll wait, you know, a day or I'll wait, you know, three four hours, and I'll I'll just say, hey, you know, I'm sorry we had a bad day, you know, give me a call, see, you know, um, but yeah, that seems to walking away seems to be the best way, uh, just kind of. That way you've had time for it, you know, to kind of calm yourself down. And that way you don't say anything you don't mean. That's because that's how you get viral. That's how (laughs) you end up on the Today Show or something, you know, people making fun of you, you know. So let's shift and take a time machine. It's March 13th or 14th, 2020. Yeah. Where are you and how are you dealing with this new thing called COVID-19? I think uh, I was actually at home. I was at home uh, on the couch. I, I remember this because it was a very long night. Um, yeah, because they, they announced the shutdowns. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, you know, what's everybody doing? So I messaged a bunch of restaurant owners like, hey, like, what are you guys doing? You know? And so I was like, oh, man, I need to make a list. So I made a list, a very long list that's like, Pretty much every restaurant that's been mentioned on the page, I went through and I listed by town, you know, what businesses were open, or all the businesses that were mentioned on the page, and some that even weren't, and then what they were offering, whether the curbside open, and that was, that was a, what, an eight-month, nine-month nightmare, because then, you know, we had gone through curbside, limited opening, mm-hmm. back to close, so, patio. <clears throat> yeah, patio, so... I really struggled to go through and make sure my list was accurate and up to date. That way, they can go to that list and be like, "Oh, I want to go to this place," and you know, and they can just kind of browse through by town. Uh, I think that's when I we we started getting a lot of like publicity and press. You know, I think TV three reached out, different radio stations reached out to use our list and whatnot. So I think that's really helped everybody, just kind of you know help the restaurant owners and users members alike. That way they, you know, they don't have to call and figure out what's open and what's not, so. How about you as a restaurant operator? How did you uh, adapt to this changing situations? Uh, I think it was, you know, like we, we saw it coming because, you know, my, we have family in Taiwan and, you know, they got hit before we did, you know, so we kind of saw it and we had kind of discussed it, you know, you know, early on. So, and, I, you know, for the restaurant, you know, we do mostly pickup and delivery anyways. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, you know, it was uh, an easy pivot for us just to lock our doors and just do curbside and delivery only. Um, you know, we had, you know, high payroll, which we weren't kind of expecting. Um, well, you know, because it's, it's a lot harder to run food to customers compared to just having customers come in. So we had to have more manpower to kind of, you know... To do that but you know it's one of those as a small business owner you know we're great at adapting <laughs> <laughs> whenever you were going having those conversations earlier on before that March 13th and 14th uh, 
what were those conversations <coughs> like? Um, what were what was the fears of your family that lived in Taiwan? Oh, just you know, just not 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 trying to get sick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like and and you know, Taiwan is not China, so right. we're 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 Taiwan is more, it's more like America. So they had you know freedom of you know news and whatnot. So they weren't shy about saying, hey, like this flu is coming from China and it's we're like half an hour away, we're gonna get hit, you know. So Taiwan was actually very quick in quarantining people when they first came to Taiwan. You know, if you're visiting from a country that may have COVID, they put you in a hotel for 14 days. You know, like they don't let you out until you're <clears throat> done and you're tested and whatnot. So we knew it was serious because you know the state paid for that, and mm-hmm. no state wants to pay for 14 days of hotel if they didn't have to. So you know, <clears throat> and we have family back home, and they're they're a little older, and you know, um, you know they they were they they, they they hey you know it's coming your way. So um, they actually they were sending us masks, you know, and whatnot, uh, very early on, just kind of because they knew what we needed, and so that let us know that hey, like we need to be serious about it. And my dad. My dad's a smoker, you know, so he quit maybe a, couple, a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, but yeah, you know, he said it's quit, but the, you know, the threat is there. If he has any lung issues, you know, from COVID, you know, he's that, that at risk. You know, he's 60, 67. You know, he's not the best of health because he works all day, every day. Uh, mom's diabetic, you know, so it's one of those where, and a lot, a lot of our staff members, they have older parents. So mm-hmm. we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to expose them, you know, through just not doing anything, you right. know. So if there was something that we could do to, you know, to prevent that or to reduce the risk, then why not, you know. Um, I think that's just being responsible, being responsible to the community. So, you know, so, you know, all our staff, even now, wears masks and we have sanitizers everywhere and we wash their hands and whatnot. Just to, you know, if that little thing helps, why not? You know, if if wearing a mask can prevent one person from being super sick, right? then, you know, there is no, there's no reason to say no to that. So let's go back to a brighter note now um, on your, on, on the website, it says you serve Chinese and um, some Taiwan inspired dishes. Yeah. What is the difference between Chinese and Taiwanese food um, to a complete layman like I am? Uh, I'm, I'm not the super expert on like flavors, but I know that um, where dad learned to cook at, you know, he learned more of a, a Szechuan style um, cooking, which is things that are like bolder in flavors, um, things that are, you know, spicier. Mm-hmm. Um, so Taiwanese is, Taiwan is weird. So Taiwan is, there's indigenous people, and then there's a lot of, um, during the Civil War in China, a lot of people fled to Taiwan. So Taiwan has become kind of a mishmash of, of flavors and cuisines. Um, so. I think Taiwanese flavors, you know, it's it's not as spicy as as Sichuan, and it's more um, there's a lot of seafood and then uh, not as much vegetables. Um, you know that I, I I couldn't tell you the specifics. I've actually never been asked that. <laughs> it's one of those things I grew up with, and you know we, we just never really. 
I've never really dug into, you know, the differences. Uh, I know Szechuan tends to be a little spicier, you know, bigger flavors. Um, you cook your fried rice is different than a lot of the others. Yeah, and then for for us, you know, we cook um, our fried rice is brown. So, you know, um, other places it's kind of yellowish. Um, yellowish, I think, is more of a Cantonese, a Fujian kind of way to do it. I think, from what I understand, they put like lard in it. Okay. And then it's a lighter soy, but we use a, a heavier soy, so it's a little darker in color. Uh, some of the Taiwanese dishes we have at the restaurant, you know, would be like the chicken leg over rice, or we have like a, a, a braised pork, you know, sauce over rice. We have like a pork belly sliders, which is, that's probably like one of our most authentic things. It's a uh, slow cooked pork belly in a, in a little Chinese bun with radishes, with pickled mustard radishes, and then a little bit of crushed peanuts, onions. You can go to Taiwan and literally get it off, you know, side of the street, you know. Mm-hmm. And in and, and Taiwan, there was this restaurants, but there's also little food vendors. They're like food trucks, but they're not in a truck, they're just in a cart. Or it could be in someone's, like, you know, uh, the ground floor of someone's, you know, house. And then, uh, so, in, in Taiwan, that, that's kind of the like eating culture there. And at night, you know, there's all these carts, they, you know, they get pushed into a, a giant street and it's just like a night market and you just walk around and eat and drink and whatnot it's a good time <laughs> so I'm guessing you've been to Taiwan yeah 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 what is that what, is, what was that experience like for you uh, first of all it's very hot and humid it's <laughs> so humid over there uh, you know you. I, I think I took two showers a day because it was so humid just because I'm, you know, I'm not used to it but the food is great um you can get you can eat breakfast for maybe like a dollar US uh, yeah and then uh, I mean you can, you can go fancy you can go to a restaurant and eat but for mm-hmm. me I, I really enjoyed just walking down the street and seeing the food right up from you know them being cooked in front of you in a little cart and then just you know like hey I'll take two of those and then eating it and uh, most things they have is you know is uh, is homemade you know it's not there's not a huge, you know, pre-made, you know, commercial food like they're in the U.S. You know, like in the U.S., you know, some restaurants you go to, stuff isn't made in-house. You know, they, it comes off a truck frozen. Right. But that's not that way in Taiwan. Everything is, you know, if you go to a, a stall, you'll see the guy in the back making it fresh. So it's like, and it's made every day. So it's, it's really, really good. I, that's the one thing I love is the food over there. Uh, it's cheap, plentiful, and you can get in such a variety. You know, you're not limited to, oh, I'm going to this restaurant, and this is the only thing I'm going to have. You can nibble at this restaurant and go to this food cart for a little snack, you know. So, but, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I had, I think, uh, I haven't been back in a while, but those are the memories, just eating. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you've been there? Uh, I think when I was like 16, 17. 16? Nice. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a dirty place, you know. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's one of those, you know, countries where it went from having a low population and the Civil War hit. And then, so they had millions of refugees flooding into it. And I know the U.S. military was, was there to help kind of build the infrastructure. But, you know, when there's millions of people flooding into a little island, you know. So, you know, sewage is kind of, you know crappy and 
you know, things are dirty and, you know, like I think one example is I think in America, you know, you can use a restroom and flush toilet paper down. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But in Taiwan, you can't do that. Uh, the septic systems aren't designed for that. And there's so many population is so dense that they really can't go in and just gut everything and do it again because it's buried in the ground and there's streets and there's people. So it's one of those where the infrastructure is a little lacking, but you know, it is what it is. Absolutely. Um, now let's go back to Nukahala. I got to put you on the spot for my final question. Uh Oh, what is your favorite dish at Nukahala? Uh, so I get beef and broccoli and a garlic sauce. Um, I get it at least twice a week. I've eaten it for the last umpteen years of my life, <laughs> but I've never gotten tired of it. Uh, I love broccoli and that spicy garlic sauce just kind of, it kind of coats the crown of the broccoli. So when you bite into it, it's like juicy, you know, and it kind of like gets all over the, all over the place. Uh, I think that's probably like my absolute favorite dish. Um, if I had to pick a second one, uh, my wife says yuchoi beef, which is like a dark leafy greens with beef and like a Chinese spicy tea sauce, mm-hmm. and that one's really good. Uh, I think if I had to pick a second one, it might be like noodles with Peking sauce. It's kind of like Chinese spaghetti in a way, but instead of like a tomato sauce it's like a, a spicy bean sauce oh that sounds delicious yeah they, they smother the noodles with it and then it's really good you know, it's got ground pork in it so I think that's my second favorite if I want to say what does Keisha like she likes that yu choy beef okay yeah so I think that's her all time favorite and your dad's beef noodle soup yeah we, we have a Taiwanese Taiwanese home style beef noodle soup that you know he's just you know, he usually makes around winter, but he hasn't made it just because he's kind of busy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a little tired. He's getting a little old. So. Over rice with extra extra yeah, that's over true. Uh, the stuff she's naming off is like the uh, very authentic Taiwanese. The home stuff you've done soup is it's you can't get more Taiwanese than that, and it's just I don't like the Americanized stuff. And, and it's just uh, you know they they take beef and you know. Um, bones and they just kind of cook it down and it's just like a super spicy noodle soup that's that's you know that's great for the winter since you guys are both here i gotta ask you guys this what is your favorite dish that he cooks in home and <laughs> the vice versa so i actually cook the most yeah here. okay <laughs> so oh man that you cook that's tough <laughs> because you don't cook. <laughs> um, I think like we cook together we sometimes. We do, yeah. Okay. Most it's either me cooking or us cooking together. Yeah. He does. Okay, I'll, I, can I just say this instead? He does the dishes. <coughs> I love that. Yes, like, that is great. I will cook all day long, and he'll do the dishes. Hey, in my so. defense, I work like 65 hours a week. I don't really, and I deal with food all day. <laughs> so when I'm at home, I rarely, rarely feel like cooking. Every yeah, time I listen to one of these cooking shows, a lot of people, <coughs> a lot of chefs do say that they don't cook at home. They Yeah, and they I mean, he will. Them. Like, we love to get creative, but that's the thing is like, we cook together because that's Mm -hmm. our thing so i mean like we've made 
gosh, one night we made like duck breast with like. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah, we made duck breast with like. Tell the interwebs about this duck breast. Oh yes, man, please. it was like a medium rare duck breast that we um, basically rendered all the fat out of the skin side and let it crisp up, and then you know flip it, cook the other side. We took the duck fat as it was rendering off and cooked down. Um, potatoes and grapes like I know that sounds weird but you actually have grapes and put them in with the potatoes toss it in the duck fat with some thyme and rosemary and salt and pepper and like the grapes add like a little pop of acidity to everything so it really brings it all together and it's interesting because most people don't cook grapes like that they don't do like a blistered grape or a blistered tomato or something so we'll find recipes like that and just try them out. Yeah, so. I think uh, we've done curry. I think our, that's... Yeah, that's, I think that's my favorite thing you cook is yeah. like a very thick Asian style curry. Not yeah. like a Thai curry. It's not... Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I think it's more Thai than anything else. No, but. I think it's more like the Japanese... Because we use a Japanese style curry for that. It yeah, depends, it yeah. depends. But yeah, the, there's Japanese uh, the katsu curry and then there's also like a Thai curry. Yeah. I think the Thai curry that we cook is... You know, we kind of follow um, Jean-Pierre. He's like a famous French chef. He's responsible for bringing Asian food into mainstream culture because okay. uh, yeah he was like a like a Michelin star chef in France and he wanted to I guess he got kind of tired of that so he went to Thailand for several years and he brought Asian cuisine and flavors back to France and then you know when when French cuisine I guess failed to modernize keep up that kind of we kind of that kind of took its spot that's why you see Asian restaurants with Michelin stars now because it kind of took center stage of, of food culture and then uh, so yeah so I think lately we've been kind of adding his flavors to our curry you know adding extra ingredients and whatnot so I think that's my favorite thing to do I think is the curry yeah you know we made we made a Chinese bao buns together yeah um we we can do a really cook good... a lot of stuff that we can't find here. Yes. But yeah. using things we can find here. Like, yeah. we love, like, Big Muddy Hogs and all the farmer's markets and stuff because we can go find some really unique vegetables or, like, duck, duck breast, things like that. Um, chicken feet, which is, like, a super, I mean, so it's funny. Chicken feet is such an Asian dish the way he's used to having it, but, like, I'm from Southern Illinois, like, you know, little tiny town. I mean, 40, 50 people. What town is that? What's represented? Belknap. Belknap, Illinois. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like tiny. If you sneeze, you'll miss the whole thing. <laughs> um, but growing up, we ate stuff like that too. Like my grandpa, I mean, he was raised with a lot of kids and, you know, through the depression time and everything else. So if it's part of an animal you cook it so I mean would have rabbit and things that you don't you know you don't see at restaurants a lot but uh like an Asian dish such as chicken feet like we've had similar versions of it but not Asian style as as I was growing up so it's kind of neat so that's always fun to find ingredients like that and try to cook them at home that that is pretty cool that the world can come together with something as simple as a chicken. Yeah. And 
everyone has their different way of preparing it, but whenever you bring it to the table, that's what makes it so cool that you can have all these different avenues of creating it, but it all comes from that unchained animal, yeah? Yep. For sure. Now, William, I want to thank you for your time. It's no, been great. Um, now, let's give some publicity. I know a lot of people are hungry right now. Um, so um, where can they find your food at? Um, give me an address and give me a website as well. Uh, New Gala is located on, uh, in Carbonell, uh, 600 East Grand. Uh, it's across, it's uh, on the corner of Wall Street and Grand Avenue. Uh, you can go to our website, newkahala.com. That's N-E-W-K-A-H-A-L-A.com. And if you need delicious food ideas, uh, don't forget to visit our Facebook page, So Illinois Eats. Um, just search for that on Facebook, and that'll take you to our Facebook group where you can find all the best places to eat in Illinois. Thank you so much, William, and thank you so much, Keisha, for joining in. I really want to thank William and Keisha for their time. I left that interview so hungry. We have some awesome guests ahead. To get the latest, follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Meet the 618. Also, rate, review, and subscribe on the various podcast platforms, including Spotify. Thank you for listening to the latest edition of Meet the 618. We'll be back.